Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Saar. We've got Marcus Thompson here, the author of Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry, and the head of the uh, Bay Athletic there. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I know you waited a while. I appreciate your patience. Oh, no, I appreciate it. I want to get you on, talk some Warriors. They're obviously in the headlines pretty much every day in the NBA circles, and for good reason as well. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, they, uh, again, make some amazing uh, one sacrifices for some players and some signings that we'll get into in a little bit. But I first wanted to tell, um, some people say, oh, the Warriors, oh, it's it's a cheap uh, construction of their team. And uh, it's, it's for anybody who's a writer or who knows what they're talking about, it's obviously not true. But I wanted you to kind of talk about, br- briefly give a couple minutes to how that came about? I mean, Steph Curry, the contract, the forty-four million, the ankles, exact, etc. Um, can you just kind of go into that for a second? Oh yeah. So first off, it definitely wasn't cheap, right? I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> there's they got two dudes making. Uh, well, I guess one, but they could have had two dudes making thirty. They got a dude making thirty something, and. You know, Durant making twenty five, so yeah, they're paying the price for. I guess I, I guess I more meant um, they quote unquote cheated to get cheat, there. Cheat code, yeah, cheat yeah. Code to get there, uh, yeah. So uh, I just remember when it all happened because uh, you know I, I was covering the team way back before they were these Warriors, and I remember the two thousand nine draft. I remember two thousand eight draft actually, but uh, you know the Warriors had a history of choking in the draft right so like we were just trying to figure out how they were how they were gonna blow it this time but i remember larry riley who was the general manager at the time really liking steph curry and he was like yeah steph curry's there we'll take him but nobody thought he would be there like nobody thought he would be there Mm -hmm. and this was really important too because the year before I think it was uh, Anthony Randolph was the year before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so that was a pick that, you know, kind of wasn't panning out like that. And 07 was the year they traded Jason Richardson after we believe for, yeah. they traded him for uh, uh, Brandon Wright and then they drafted uh, Marco Bellinelli. Mm-hmm. So Brandon Wright, Marco Bellinelli, Anthony Randolph are their next wow. three number one picks, right? So then, obviously, they need a big man, so they're trying to figure out what's happening. Do they get a big man? Who's available? And we all thought it was going to be Jordan Hill. Remember that guy? Yep. We thought it was going to be Jordan Hill. Even Larry Riley thought it was going to be Jordan Hill because the number one on his board was was Blake Griffin, and then number two was Steph Curry. But you know, but Minnesota passed on him twice. Passed on stuff twice. Can't believe it. So it's it. going to be Jordan Hill, right? Who the, so this Flynn and Rubio, right? Yep, Rubio and Johnny Flynn from oh Syracuse. And it was it was more like the fact that the Warriors took Steph Curry meant it wasn't going to work, right? Like that's because this is the draft history. So nobody in 2009 was like the franchise just changed. This is the player the Warriors have been waiting on. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, he might be good. Many people were like, whatever, some little kid from Davidson, this is who y'all got when we need a big man. So 
there was no part of this that was, uh, you know, LeBron landing with Cleveland in the draft, right? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, was, there was none of that. There was, was it wasn't Alonzo. First day. <laughs> yeah, right. It wasn't Alonzo going to, you know, the Lakers where it's like, hey, this, this is all kind of preordained to help, you know, it, it wasn't any of that. So, and keep, and then, you know, Steph had his ankle injuries too. So it's, it's crazy just thinking about like how this all unfolded. They, they, they get Steph, they got a Don Nelson who's kind of winding down and like trying to milk more money and clashing with ownership. And then they give him Keith Smart who is trying, you know, who's on an interim gig. And is trying to, you know, prove that he can be a head coach of this league, so he'll have time to work with this old young point guard who keeps turning the ball over. So he's just yeah. benching him for AC Law, right? And then <laughs> oh he God. gets, yeah, right. <laughs> and then he gets uh, uh, Mark Jackson, but he had been dealing with ankle issues, so you don't even know what he was going to be. So all of this is like the setup for when it's time for Steph to resign. And he he had he's coming off his second off season surgery. Didn't know what was happening, and he took a deal four years, forty four million, because he took the long term security instead of getting the most he could. So he, I think he got less money than Ty Lawson, yeah, uh, at the time. And they, I mean, I think, Ty Lawson was still kind of pretty good at the time. Yeah, no, he was good, and nobody said, "Ooh, he's getting." Less than Ty Lawson, what a travesty. It was like, all right, that's about the market. Maybe he could get more. But everybody was like, yeah, with his ankles, there was risk on both sides, right? Made it was, sense. Yeah, it made a lot of sense. But so all of that is really what paved the way for everything that happened. Now, at the time, nobody's like, ooh, look how they look how they came up, right? <laughs> like, I mean, weren't weren't they even at the time like deciding between him and Monta Ellis? Yes, there was that conversation. There, there was the conversation. I think uh, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a long one. I believe that once they got Steph, there was already problems with Monte. There were already issues with him. Uh, and Monte just wasn't a point guard. He was just playing that position because they didn't have anybody else, but he wasn't a point guard. He's so I think, Smith. I mean, he, at yeah, the time, he's no what is, he is now. No question. He wanted to be the point guard, but he wasn't the point guard. So, but there were, there were many, many Warrior fans who liked Monte over Steph, especially, especially early Steph, Steph who wouldn't even take threes. Like, if you look at some of Steph's numbers from those years, especially the first couple of years, he didn't even take threes. Like, he took like two a game. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Like 12 a game. Yeah. It's like, it, it's insane when you just, just look at who he has become and what he was. It was, you know, he just wasn't this guy. So all of that led to him taking this $44 million deal. Yeah, Steph, he made uh, two, three, 2.1 three-pointers a game in 2009. And and now he's uh, he made 5.1 in 15-16. Last year he made 4.1. So, yes, he's almost tripled his, uh, his rate of shooting threes. So... The the twelve million a year set the Warriors up to do a few things. They made the trade Monte for Bogut. They got the center they wanted to pair with the the kind of small backcourt. I mean, uh, former two, first one, for, former first pick overall, I believe. Um, yes, out of, I think. out of Utah, uh, two thousand five, the same year they got same year Monte draft. Yeah, and he was in he was in Milwaukee after having so many injuries, and he was the perfect center for this what they're trying to run. 
especially because they didn't have much. You know, if Bogut was healthy, the Warriors can't get him. Exactly. But, but you know, he had a fractured ankle. He was out for the season. They took a risk that he would be able to play again, and they traded him for Monte. Uh, and then in 2011, kind of the next piece is really when – I think it got to be something where you're like, okay, there might be something special here because that's when they drafted Clay Thompson. And now you kind of you saw the pieces. It was like, okay, you got Steph and Clay in the backcourt. Uh, and then eventually you're going to get Andrew Bogut in 2012. So it's like, all right, you know, you, <laughs> you got you got something here, right? You, you got the, a the light at the end of the tunnel, but you're yeah. not sure if it's a if it's something yet. So then the goal the was making year? the playoffs. Yeah, the goal was making the playoffs. Yeah. It wasn't championship. It was like, hey, if these guys develop, they might be able to make the playoffs. Yeah. So that's the backdrop for 2012, which is they they had a backcourt, right? They got the uh, Steph and, and uh, Clay, and they got Andrew Bogan at center. Now I remember writing this like it was yesterday. What? Who? Who will play the small forward? They need a three. I remember being at Team USA talking to Andre Iguodala because they went to world championships in 2010. And I know the Warriors really wanted Andre Iguodala in 2010. I was like, you know what? He'd be a great three for them. Uh, yeah. But they they needed a small forward. So they went to the draft and they got Harrison Barnes with the number seven pick. And then they got, they had the number 30 pick and they took Festus Azili because they yes. wanted size. They needed some because, because of Bogut's injury history. Because probably. of Bogut, yep. They needed to shore up Bogut just in case he wasn't available. And 35th pick in the second round, they ended up Draymond Green falling to their laps, which they passed Draymond up twice, just for the record. Oh, yeah. Especially the 37, I, I get. He was supposed to go in the 20s or whatever, and they really liked him, but they opted for size and said, hey, if he's there at 35, like, We'll take them. If not, whatever. We got our big man. We got our small forward. And I don't and they know. Were good. Maybe, maybe I'm in the minority, but because I actually got to see him. I live here in Phoenix, and that, the Final Four was here that year, and I got to help cover it and, and see him up pretty close. And I didn't see this when I was there. I didn't. I mean, I saw some versatility, but he didn't seem like someone who would be able to punish those bigs and pass and do all that. He obviously. I mean, with Michigan State, he wasn't. He wasn't didn't have the need or the versatility to do it in college, but it's kind of crazy what he's become. I thought he was going to be. I thought Draymond would be that, you know, the the kind of glue player on a team that's good, right? When you got a winning team that's in the playoffs, he's not he's not a star, but you need guys like that, right? Like Iguodala. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know who he might? I was thinking, uh, you know. When you watch those Miami teams at the time, because remember Miami was uh was had just got constructed, like and Batty. I was thinking more like Battier, Udonis Haslam, mm-hmm. those types of players who aren't the stars, but you can't win without them. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? And Draymond, I remember when he came to work out for the Warriors, he destroyed. Uh, who was the shooter out of Vanderbilt? Six nine small forward light. I remember they wanted to shoot, and I was like, they were thinking about this guy, and Draymond just completely shut him down in the war. Taylor was it Jeff Taylor? That's not, I mean that name sounds familiar, but I think it was Jeff. Yeah, I think it was. I remember Draymond went in there and just destroyed the dude. And I I remember because we would interview the players after they work yeah. out. They would give us a few, and Draymond after that workout 
was like, oh, yeah, I just dominated that workout. You crash tackled him. <laughs> yes. In a, in a pre-workout. Oh, my gosh. He's like, yeah, I, I play really well. It, I mean, he's, he trash talking. I was like, you know what? I like that guy. Where should you get that guy? Yeah. I mean, but not like, hey, defensive player of the year, but just like, you know, you, you need guys like that on your team. Uh, and even at the time, nobody knew what this was. You, you had, you had your, in essence, your starters. Because, well, keep in mind, Draymond was not a starter. It was David Lee at the time. Yeah. So you had, yeah, for, we forgot about David Lee, right? The right. Warriors signed, the Warriors signed David Lee to this huge contract when he was with the Knicks and they gave Amari Stoudemire a hundred million. So then he was out and the Warriors were trying to get, just get a free agent to, you know, get this thing going. And, you know, they, they paid David Lee a bunch of money. That had to be like 2010. I think it was 2010. He was still almost an uh, all-star back then, or he was. He was. Remember, he got, he got added on. He was like an injury add on. Yeah. Like a, that's what like he was. Ginobili or a, not Ginobili, like a Parker or somebody. Something like out. that, yeah. And, uh, but he used to like the Warriors up. He was one of those, I remember he had 37 and 20 against the Warriors one time. But he was one of those dudes, he hustled, he really agile, just had a nose for the ball, and finished at the rim. And he just, every time he played the Warriors, he destroyed them. And so I know they fell in love with him and they signed him. That was a critical piece. I don't, I don't mean to overlook that. David Lee was very critical because once they got rid of Monte, yeah, once they got rid of Monte, they had a tandem. It was, it was, uh, Steph and David Lee. Mm-hmm. They were the, the one, two punch. And it wasn't, they weren't stars, but they were just like, all right, we're not going to be pushovers. If you don't play well against us, we're going to beat you. I mean, I they became I, that type of team. I think I remember that. I mean, Steph was like, he would, he would, uh, they would do a pick and roll and then David Lee would dive for the basket. Absolutely. And if, the, if the, both people tried to recover to Steph on the three, he would d- throw it down there. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, that was the tandem. So in 2012, they, they, they kind of have this roster and they have the coach and Mark Jackson and you could just kind of see like it developing. But even that year, Bogut was hurt. Mm-hmm. They started, people forget that. In 2012, Steph signs his deal. He has a really good year. Remember he had the 54 in the garden? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that playoff series, Bogut was hurt. They, That's most of that year, most of that year, they were starting Festus and Harrison Barnes. They were starting two rookies and Draymond was, was like the third dude off the bench because they had Jared Jack and Carl Landry. Oh, and yeah. Draymond was like the third, third dude that came off the bench. So they, basically they had three rookies in their top eight. Which is not so, ideal. No, it's not, right? So when <laughs> that that's that's how they play. Welcome to the Suns. Uh, exactly. So, it, but the crazy part was, and this is where I did give Mark Jackson a lot of credit. Mark Jackson was one of those coaches that made, like, mediocre players feel like they were great. Mm. You know, he had that – uh you know, he, he was the hype man, just like he was as a player. The same guy in Reggie Miller's ear in New York, like, you're going to let them do that to you, you're going to, you know, getting them hype. Yeah. He had them, he had them players believing that they were really good, right? And they could beat anybody. And keep, like, remember Festus Azili was a, a starting center, uh, against the Spurs because Bogut's ankle was messing up and, and he played. He was playing. He was like a functional center in the playoffs. His, and uh, now his, it was just his athleticism because I think the Spurs. He was taking the Spurs because at the time they don't think they had someone who was able to recover because Duncan was at the end of his time. Yes, Duncan was at the end, 
And remember, they were playing like Aaron Baines and, and Splitter, right? Splitter, Tiago Splitter. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, like Festus was playing you, and that's why everybody was like, "Oh man, Festus is gonna be good." And then you know, like, wait a <laughs> it just didn't work out that way, right? But he he had this ability to do that. Jared Jack played the best ball of his career. He did. Carl Landry, you haven't you haven't heard from these dudes, right? <laughs> since since they left, but he just had that, and they they built like a, a chemistry. That was really kind of the foundation of, of all this, uh, and it was how they were able to add on to it. Uh, another break, David Lee got hurt. They get rid of Mark Jackson. Remember, they won 51 games, lost in the first round in the Donald, the Donald Sterling series. Yeah, and then people thought it was like people. The Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr thing was interesting because people almost think it's a bat. It was like you're going to fire a coach at 54 wins, but they're like, we can. Steve Kerr can take it another step. Nobody knew that though. Oh, like yeah, that was that was that was such a, especially like, you know, people got to keep in mind like the Warriors never got these things right. Yeah. <laughs> Before Joe Lacob bought the team, they never got this stuff right. It mm-hmm. was it wasn't like they if they drafted a guy, the guy was going to fail not because he was bad but because they drafted him right and then they would leave and go somewhere else. You'd be like, oh man, he was good. How they get rid of him, right? Like, How and the league is full the of. So it's just like, yeah, they get a coach, and a coach wasn't going to work out just because this is how it goes. So it was just like, wow, you got a coach, you won fifty-one games for the first time since nineteen ninety-four, mm-hmm. and you're going to fire that guy. But we didn't know like how forward thinking they were. We didn't know about light years. How, yeah, we didn't. We we just didn't know that we were learning that. So obviously it made it made a lot in hindsight it made a lot of sense at the time it was like this felt like such a warrior's move especially because it was like a lot of it you know especially a lot of the dialogue was about like personal stuff it's like man you're gonna give up a 51 win coach because you don't like him yeah I remember that was crazy <laughs> right so it's just like I mean you just we just saw it all the time I mean the Warriors change coaches all the time but you know it turned out you know to work out because Steve had this way of taking advantage of what really was a middle offense, like a middle of the league type offense as far mm-hmm. as production, yeah. even though you could kind of see some of the talent that made it more. I mean, Mark Jackson was heavy on isolation and trying to take advantage of height mismatches. And that was kind of his thing. Like a lot of pick and roll, a lot of post-ups, but, uh, you know, Steve brought in something, but even I remember one of the first questions I asked Steve, cause I thought Draymond should be starting yeah. a while before just because of defense. I was like, so is Draymond starting or is David, David Lee's my starter? And then David Lee gets hurt in, in preseason, misses whatever time, and the Warriors start off like 22-2. and two. Was that when he had that like, elbow infection? <laughs> no, it wasn't that time. It was, uh, I think he had some like kind of back or abdomen. Yeah. The elbow was when, uh, who was it, Wilson Chandler, I Yeah, I think, I think he actually accidentally, like he got, he got pushed into yeah. it and like, bit his elbow or something. And bit his elbow and then it weeks. got infected. Yeah, he was out. Ooh, it was, it was one of the most grueling things I've ever seen. He would yeah. show it too. And it's like this oh, big yeah. chunk of meat out of his arm. And oh, my goodness. you could see like this, the, the, just the, whatever it was on the rim of it. it and you could see inside his elbow. It was just, it was so mad. Usually like, man, all he did was put his tooth on it. <laughs> yeah. It shouldn't be that bad. Yeah, I know, right? But it, it was, it was pretty bad. But David Lee getting hurt kind of like introduced everybody to Draymond Green. Nobody, like Steve Kerr did not come in saying, here's my master plan here. I'm going to start Draymond. 
David Lee got hurt, and all of a sudden everything clicked, and it was like, well, how can I take him out now? We're twenty-two and two. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes <laughs> sometimes the luck of of the injuries and is what makes these people shine. Like they give an opportunity that you didn't, and you wouldn't almost reasonably think they should get until something happens that makes it happen. That's so it, you know all of this feels like after like forty years of bad luck. Right, 40 years of things going poorly, of bad signings and all that. Like, the Warriors got all the breaks for a period there, right? It just felt like all the stuff that normally would work against them started working for them. And we haven't even gotten to the biggest one yet. (laughs) Right? I mean, so they get their starting five. Oh, keep it. Oh, I forgot they they end up signing Andre Iguodala in 2013, getting him for less money because he really wanted to come. And what about Sean Livingston? Living, yeah, I forgot about living. And and I will tell you, everybody in the Bay Area knows that I did like Livingston's game, but one of the uh, the weaknesses I always thought the Warriors had was they relied heavily on jumpers, especially late in games, Mm -hmm. and they didn't have that one person who could just get to the bucket and draw a foul and just you know kind of get you a, a more like guaranteed money, a high percentage option. They had, like, let's set better screens to get an open three. So I was saying they should get Rodney Stuckey, who had, like, a three times the free throw rate of, like, Steph and Clay. Because, you know, Clay never gets to the free throw line. But they got Livingston. They're like, yeah, we like Livingston. We'll watch Livingston's really good. I didn't see how he would fit, but turn around, he, turned, he turned up to be perfect. Turn around, jump, yeah, right? It's like. You got another dude who's going to get mid-range jumpers, right? Hey, I was thinking. Like six inches on every other point guard that he played Every other point guard, yeah, every other point guard. But it, he ended up being one of their, like, his points per post-up, right, his points per possession. Like, he ended up being one of the best they have, especially in, you know, in that paint area because the Warriors just never really had the back-to-the-basket guy. Even when they had Bogut, it was just all about movement and perimeter and transition. So he was the one guy who was like, all right, let's go get a bucket. And so these, all these little pieces were working. And Livingston gave them the ability to not have to stagger Steph and Clay as much. And they could move, they could move, uh, Steph off the ball and kind of like, they used to run this with Igadala, which would be the, Steph on one side, Clay on the other, and Iguodala running point. They ran the same thing with Jared Jack, but Jared Jack wasn't the passer. And like you got, you had one option with Jared Jack, and if he didn't see it, he was going for his right. It's like <laughs> driving the lane. Pull and up. Andre was the opposite. Like he's not gonna go for his shot. You know, he just like he's gonna dribble until you find the opening because you know he just wasn't really aggressive like that but Livingston gives you kind of both like I can go down low get my I got a money shot that I can go to or I can make it happen uh and we don't have to wear down Andre Iguodala's legs because you know he was getting older so all of that kind of work and when they won a championship in 2015 like nobody saw that coming (laughs) it wasn't like I think Ethan Strauss was the only one to pick the Warriors to win a championship, and I think he did it just because it was like a weird thing to say, and he wanted to be, yeah, right. He's like, "Oh, I'm going the Warriors." Just be like, because if they don't do it, like it was funny, and if they win it, he's a genius. So he picked the Warriors, and that that, but that was it. But 
they just weren't there yet. They had lost in the first round the year before to the Clippers. And that's usually and what it were, takes, but usually you have to lose in, like, the finals that's, or, like, the that's conference exactly, finals before it happens. That's exactly what I thought. I thought they would get to the West Finals and lose and learn that lesson and kind of grow from it and win the next year. As it turns out, they won in 2015 and then saved the chokings for 2016. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah. And really, the, the reason they win is because of Iguodala. So, and then, so actually, let's talk about the uh, 16 season. Well, let's briefly, we got a lot to talk about still, but, uh, the, uh, briefly, the 73 win season, do you think they should have not gone for it and gone for the championship and the dynasty or, I mean, I, I think, think they should have gone I for it. I think they should have, I think they did, they should have stayed true to who they were because that's how, that's how all of this has happened is because really they got, they've got a bunch of guys on their team who have a chip on their shoulder and something to prove and a little bit of edge and this, this unsettled feeling of y'all don't respect me enough. That's how they got all of this, right? That's why Steph became, you know, like, all right, I'm going to show you guy because he got this ankle thing hovering over his head and Draymond became Draymond because he's a second round pick when he just knew he was a first round pick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's, this is their makeup. So I mean, they're totally an underdog team, other than of course Bogut and Durant. I think Clay's the highest drafted player, probably. Yes, that, that's correct. You know, before like without Barnes, he was eleven. Oh yeah. Which is why we're number eleven. Barnes was seven, right? Uh, but Barnes' whole career was man, man. You were supposed to be Jordan coming out of high school, right? <laughs> so they that that was that's the personality of the team is going for what will make you respect them. So I kind of think they need it to. Like, it's who they are. So I don't know why they would be something different. It's almost like telling San Antonio to start hot-dogging on stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's just not who they are. Not so why happen. Do they? This is who the Warriors are. If they get a shot to go for 33 wins and break the record for win streak, they're going to take it. This is what they do just because they hear every slight and they just have this perennial chip on their shoulder where they're just looking to prove you wrong. I was so mad at Draymond in the finals because I had predicted, like, before the playoffs that they would beat Cleveland in five. And I was, like, like light, I was light years ahead with this five in five. And I was like, it's going to happen. And then, of course, Draymond gets suspended in game five, and they lose in seven. I was like, no way. You had it. You had it. I Boy, had it. I, they were so confident before game five that year. But then it was They the knew they were going to win. The problem was the Steph injury with Monte Yunus and the slippering, slipping in the, the, the Houston series. And I think that was round one, right? That was round one. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was game, what was the game three? Yeah, I think game three. Yeah. Game three of round one. And, uh, actually, no, it was game four. It was game four because he played game one. And he, remember, he, like, he had stepped, he did something to his foot or his ankle. And he came out the second half of game one, missed game two, and he wanted to play game three, but Steve Kerr was like, nah, That's right. chill. He's like, chill. Got this. And, yeah, and then they, then they lost. <laughs> All right. Then they, then they lose. I think they lost game three. And then game four was like the critical game is the difference between two, two and going back to Oakland three, with, one, with yeah. a critical game five. And then he got hurt. 
And then second half, like Clay and Draymond just blitzed them and they blew them out. We're yeah. not we're not standing for this. Yeah, right. We're not we're not messing around. And then but... was that was that where um uh, was that still Dwight Dwight and Harden like fell asleep during the end? Yes, yes, no question. That's exactly who that was. Now part part of it too was like all year long. They had won every game where somebody said, "Uh oh, they might lose." They won it every single time. I mean, obviously they didn't lose that much. They only except lost nine for, games, except for that one time when they were going to be the only team to ever win a seven-game road trip, and they lost to the the Bucks, Milwaukee the Bucks, Milwaukee the Bucks. Bucks. It was the Bucks. That's correct. And remember, that's when everybody was, uh, and the Bucks was going crazy, and the Warriors got mad because they celebrated. <laughs> Oh, that was crazy. The, the Warriors got mad because they were celebrating. And did the Celtics beat them also? The Celtics, beat, the them Celtics like twice? beat them also. Celtics beat them also. Minnesota beat them. At the end of the year, uh, right? Yeah, at the end of the year, yeah. Those were games that people thought they were going to win. But every game that was like, okay, here comes San Antonio. We'll see how good they are. And they were beating those teams by like 30. Cle- oh, Cleveland? You got to go to Cleveland? 30. Right, 34. Yeah. It was just like they were destroying teams. And... I think in the end that caught up with them because they felt like they felt like the entire time we'll just make at some point we'll hit a few threes and this thing is over. And really, that's <laughs> that happens so often that it's not unreasonable for them to think that. But it's just like the playoffs is a different beast. The finals is a different beast against LeBron. LeBron is a different beast. Is a different beast. Kyrie was a different beast. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And defense. I I really don't think that losing entered their mind until Kyrie hit that shot. Yeah. And then it was like, yo, we really might lose this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the panic set in and it was over. And wasn't Iguodala like a little bit banged up during those finals? Cause if he had been, Oh, uh, they were a mess. Yeah. Steph he had, been full strength, had I think no they movement. Won it. Yeah. Steph had no lateral burst. And you know what, what Steph was doing was, uh, he was playing on his knee, and it wasn't like tearing, but it was getting aggregate, aggravated and inflamed, and he would need to rest, and he yeah. would stem and treat it and then play again. But each time, like, and there wasn't enough time to get it back healed, so it was getting slightly, slightly worse. So by the game seven, he was done. Like, yeah. he had – like, I remember game four in Cleveland, in hindsight especially – he had like 38 that game. And remember, it was after they were killing his shoes. Yeah. And they were going, he went all, he had 38 in game four, and they won. And they went up 3-1, everybody said it was over. I think that was his last, I think I think that was all he had to give. At that point, I think he was like, I'm going to go all out and end this series right now because everybody's dogging me, and I'm, I don't care how it feels afterwards, I'm going all out. And he had 38, and they went up 3-1. I think he's like, after that, I don't think he had anything left. Yeah, but, there's, there's just something about LeBron in the finals that makes it really hard to, to beat him. Um, yeah, LeBron's so tough, man. He just not he just I mean, keeps coming at you. I was talking with somebody on the, po- the podcast sometime. It's like he's like, um, this year I'm going to decide to have a really good three-point percentage, and this year I will decide to have horrible three-point percentage, and I will still drive whenever I feel like it. So what's going to be this year then? I don't know. We'll see. This year I'm just going to be a center. I'm just going to post yeah. everybody up. Everybody up forever. Um, so give me a little little insight into this uh, Draymond text to get Kevin Durant there. Um, yeah, just a little bit on the Warriors side of that. Well, so the Warriors had been, as a franchise, this is part of, you know, the light years that 
came in whenever, you know, when Joe Lacob took over, they had been planning for Kevin Durant for some time. Actually, before they, they, before they won a championship, uh, I remember talking to the management because Andre Iguodala and Andrew Bogut, they both signed de-escalating deals, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were all like setting up to either expire or be movable in 2016. Maurice Spates, yeah. Leandro Barbosa, all these deals, they were like, all right, 2016 is our cutoff. But and also I'm like, why, why are you doing that? Also, the Clay and Draymond deals were just on rookie deals, right? They were like the last yes. year of rookie deals? Yep. And I was like, why are you guys doing this? And I was like, just look and see who's a free agent. Because <laughs> remember, whoever they – before this, right, they tried to get Dwight Howard – and, you know, they had Steph down there trying to help recruit. They tried to get a meeting with LeBron James. And, you know, obviously he chose Miami. But, like, the Warriors were going for somebody, right? They were trying to get the big star. And next step was Kevin Durant. So they were just going to try. So, and, you know, 2016 was the kind of free agent period everybody was looking towards. So all of their contracts were set up. For 2016, and that started back in 2013, yeah. 2012, when they were working these deals. They're like, "All right, Andre, you're going to be up, <laughs> right? We're going to pay you up front because we need to, we need to have flexibility in 2016." And so, after, like, this was like the the kind of the not the plan, so to speak, but hey, we're going to shoot our shot when it's time to shoot our shot. But then they got really good and they won a championship. Uh, but I think there was always a sense with the Warriors, especially, uh, like, after, remember, Memphis gave them a little bit of a rough time in the first, in the first championship year. Yeah. But the, it was like that kind of style that slow it down, pound, grind, like limit possessions. Let's try to keep it to 100. The playoff side with those guys really just limits their creativeness and their fun that they usually have when they play. Absolutely. That just kind of hinders their excellence. I think they saw that. They saw how tough it was to beat Cleveland. This is why in the Bay Area we was all saying that it it probably helps Cleveland to not have Kevin Love and Kyrie because they become this defensive, physical, grinded team, and it almost worked, right? And then you see Memphis – give them a little bit of problems. Uh, but I think one of the things that they always knew they needed and they knew they didn't have, they had two players on the start lineup who they just, you just couldn't rely on them offensively. So would that be Harrison Barnes and Bogut? Exactly, yeah. Those are the two guys who, well, Bogut, you know, he's not the post-up guy. He might can finish here and there. But... You know, it was it was it was a journey, and similarly with Barnes, not as uh, uh, offensively uh, liable as Bogut, but you know he had his stretches where getting the bucket was tough to score. He needed they just needed situ- they needed to be in certain situations to produce on offense. Uh, and then he, even if you add Draymond, who's not a scorer uh, in the traditional sense, uh, Andre Iguodala, not a scorer. Not at this point in his career, anyway. Yeah, you know, I think they all knew, man. We we still needed one more beast because the truth of the matter is, and people who follow the Warriors closely know this. Steph was the one playmaker, right? The one guy who could say, "All right, I'm going. I can get me a bucket, or I can get you a bucket." And 
they didn't have another guy like that. Clay, you know, he existed as a as a Robin, you know, to Steph. But when he was put in the position as Batman, he you know he wasn't as effective. Like, so, like, like when he gets on fire, he can finish a game, but it's not because he's isoing or he's driving. Correct. Because the motion creates him threes, and he's better at threes than anybody else, really. I mean, that that's really the bottom line. Like, but if you say, "Hey, Clay, we just need you to get thirty today," right? <laughs> like, can you go carry the team? Uh, there's a lot of things that have have to happen and be in place for it to happen for him. I don't think it makes him, you know, lesser player. He's an all NBA caliber player, but he's just not the dude to say, "Give him the ball, make make other people better," and you still got to get twenty five. Yeah, and he's a good they didn't have that. Too. Yeah, he is a great. As a matter of fact, he he allows for Steph to be able to do that because he ends up guarding the point guard a lot, sparing mm-hmm. Steph. So I think they all kind of knew we need one more, like, playmaker. And also watching what happened, how they struggled against Oklahoma City. Yes. How they, uh, you know, Kyrie was giving them problems along with LeBron and Cleveland. I think there was a sense, even if they don't want to say it, that this unit as currently comprised is either figured out or very close to being figured out. Uh, because even in San Antonio, too, in regular season matchups, mm-hmm. they would do stuff like put – like San Antonio started putting Kawhi Leonard on Draymond. Right? So now if there's a switch when they're running a 1-4 pick and roll, you got Kawhi Leonard on yep. – on Curry, on Curry, and then but also he's still quick out. enough to stay with Draymond, right? And he, and he can help out. So it was stuff like that that people just started doing to figure out. Oklahoma City figured out, you know what? Kevin Durant's really good at four. Sometimes, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> no way. <laughs> so there were just things happening where it was like, okay, if if we just rest on our laurels right now, like. There, you know, this this has an expiration date. This unit as currently comprised, and mm-hmm. then, you know, Harrison Barnes goes five for thirty-two in the finals. Andrew Bogut just doesn't play. You know, he gets hurt and doesn't play again, which was interesting because uh, it was the third it was the third straight postseason that Andrew Bogut finished the season not available yeah, or not on the bench. But the weird available thing is, in the finals. But yeah. the weird thing is that it like worked into their, into the favor. I wrote a piece uh, last off season, a big long one, a couple thousand words about, about Durant before, right as he was joining the team last season. Um, and why it was, why it wasn't going to work until it, until it does, but just, just kind of to play the devil's advocate. But it was interesting because of the, the small lineup, the death lineup, as they say, was so effective, so Bogut isn't as necessary. Correct. And that, you know, I think that series against Oklahoma City, even though, like, I thought Oklahoma City should have won that series. Yeah. I thought they were the better team in that series. Uh, I just don't think they had the experience the Warriors had, especially down the stretch. Which is funny because they played the Heat in the finals that other year, a year or two before. But they did not but, you know, all the same people. Yeah, not the same people. Plus, I think James Harden was like a playmaker in that situation. And Westbrook and Durant were more of the, all right, go get a bucket. I'll figure this all out. Which is crazy. I don't think, because yeah, right. all, they were all MVP top three candidates for almost no the entire question. year last year. Look, there were times in that series where 
I mean, I'm thinking that about that game six where Clay went off, but one of the like underrated things in that series was in the second half, the Warriors who normally started Barnes and put Igadala off the bench switched. They bench Barnes to start the second half. It's never, ha- they never done that before. The reason was Durant had 19 shots in the first half and they were like, he's, he's going to be tired. He's taking a lot of shots. Let's put one guy on him so we don't have to help and Ooh. just make him shoot over Iguodala and let's see if he could keep shooting. He's going to be tired. They just banked on him not being able to produce in the fourth quarter. So they said, Andre, we're going to start you the second half. No help. You just go one-on-one with him. And then we go and put the help towards Westbrook. And they just they just didn't believe those dudes would beat them. Like, in the end, they were just like, look, Westbrook and Durant, they're just not going to beat us. And they didn't <laughs> have enough around them. They, don't have enough, they didn't have enough around them after Harden was gone. And before Steven Adams is what he is now. You're going to have to stop dissing Roberson. You're just going to have to stop. Roberson is an all-NBA player, and y'all need to get off his back. <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing, but, man, he can't shoot. It's like, he's so all, sad. They weren't oh, worried shot. about him at all. They weren't worried. They yeah. weren't worried about waiters either, to be honest. I just think yeah. they knew, like, if we're not, these dudes are going to have to beat us, and I just don't think they thought they can do it. But it was there. It was like, you saw how to beat the Warriors. Mm-hmm. That was and the also, blueprint right there. Yeah, yeah. And if you're Kevin Durant, you saw what life is like, right, with players around you. Yeah. Because <laughs> Steph didn't do nothing that whole game. Clay went off, but Steph was nothing. And then fourth quarter, down the stretch, Steph had gas. And I think he had like eight points in the final, yep. eight points and like three assists down the stretch. And he hit the game ceiling basket. It was like, I think Durant was like, yo, that's what it looked like. And on top of that, he's got the master recruiter coming for him. Like, Draymond is, is all in his ear. Like, yeah, we still want you. We still need you. <laughs> like, you're the answer to this there. team. You know? Durant and Draymond on there. <laughs> that's so great, right? <laughs> that's so great. Draymond's crazy. Um, let's keep it moving forward. We have a couple other things to talk about. Um, I guess the last thing on just um, the Warriors right now, that this team is – it's so good now. It even got even better this year. We got, I mean, Nick Young. I can't believe Nick Young and JaVale McGee are on the same team. And it's actually Again, actually, right? That's, if you told Where's me that Javar's Crittenden, I'd be like, what? <laughs> they were All they need is Javar's Crittenden. Where is he at? Like, you'll oh, get him somewhere. Seriously. And then Omri Caspi is going to be a super good thing. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of the, the rookie or Pat McCaw and then also the rookie, uh, Jordan Jordan Bell? Bell. I think Jordan Bell is like, a, you know, he, does, he doesn't have the ball skills that Patrick McCall has, but he's got that I belong kind of feel. That, that was one of the things that kind of stood out with Patrick McCall last year. Even though he played like UNLV and nobody had ever heard of him before, before he got drafted, when he stepped on the court, it was like, okay, this young kid can play. Yeah, he can like play. he doesn't look like somebody who's brand new out there. Uh, and Jordan Bell's kind of got that little sense to him. Like, yeah, you know, I, I'm raw and I got some stuff to work on. But y'all not about to run me off the court. You're you not going like to make poi- me look wet. Do you think that's like poise or do you think that's like just feel for the game? And so I think it's a little bit of, you know, poise, a little bit of feel for the game. Uh, he already has a couple of things that he knows he can do well so he can lean on that. Like he knows he can block shots, right? He knows he can hustle and rebound. It's not like he's trying to figure out what he brings to the table. 
uh, I, I think that that's kind of, I don't know if, if, you know, maybe some of that credit goes to, you know, the, the preparation put into it, like by the Warriors coaches, but I think mostly they just, they just kind of have a good way of identifying people who know how to play basketball. And that's what, you know, not like when it was Festus Azili, when it's like, hey, man, this dude has a great body and he's got great athleticism and we can teach him some stuff. Yeah. Lately, they've been saying, man, who know how to hoop, right? <laughs> and do you have these other stuff, whether it's like a pickup game, a playground game, no matter what the game, if you put them on the court, they just know how to play basketball, so they'll figure it out. Yeah. I think Jordan Bell might be one of those guys, uh, which – this is going to be interesting to see because, you know, they got JaVale McGee, David West, and Zaza Pachulia. They got, like, a three-head center rotation. They don't really play small forward or power forwards. Like, they start that way with Draymond at the four. So they get that that stint with with uh, Zaza, whatever 20 minutes he gets, first quarter, you know, <laughs> fourth quarter. But other than that, it's all, like, really wings playing four. Right, so they don't I mean, really have a Durant power forward. Durant as a four. I mean, he's like six eleven. So yeah, yeah, it works. But yeah, it works. But that's because he's amazing. But yeah, if you're a power forward, like like this is why Kevon Looney can't get on the court. Yeah, because he either have to play five or you have but to play on the wing. He can't play the five. He can't play on the wing. He's like in this, like the traditional power forward thing does not exist with the Warriors outside of Draymond in the starting lineup. And Draymond's <laughs> and, a unicorn under himself, and therefore absolutely. he can't <laughs> replicate that. Um, so if there were a blueprint, I think it is somewhere of some combination of make Draymond score, pr- uh, pressure with like a Conley type person or a Be- Beverly on Steph. Um, Reduce ball movement and offensive rebound. What do you think? Well, you definitely have to take Steph away. You got to make, you got to force Steph to give up the ball and then make it hard for him to get back. And now you're forcing other people to be playmakers. And if somehow out of that, that that was the strategy. This is what Cleveland used successfully. Let's make Draymond and Clay not just score, not just finish off a play that Steph created. But they have to make the play, and Draymond's pretty good at it. But he's not getting you twenty-five regularly, and Clay can't really make a play for somebody else to that level. Yeah, you so, want Draymond to try to score because it's just really yes. kind of horrible. <laughs> yeah, he really wants to pass. He really wants to make a play. He wants to draw the defense and kick, which is why the pick and roll is so good for him because you know he can do that. And if he's ever hitting that open three, like. He's a monster. There's nothing you can do. But it's but, pretty, pretty not often. <laughs> it's yeah, right, sometimes. right. So, like he can he can make he can set up somebody. He can make the play. He can create. But you know he's not going to get you 25, and Clay gets you 25, but he can't create. So that 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 balance between those two is kind of what you know that 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 like weakness that teams like San Antonio. And Cleveland were able to take advantage of, which is why they needed to get Durant. So the question then now is, when you do that, what do you do with Durant? Uh, and you that that you have to have that other piece, right? Like that's the extra. You got to take Steph away. You got to be able to make Draymond. You got to put somebody who could stay in front of Draymond and force him to score over you. Somebody who can you know stay glued on Clay. And then you need an actual really good defender to guard Kevin Durant. 
And that's the problem. There's just a big difference between Harrison Barnes in the corner and Duran in the corner. It's huge. It is because it's not like who, what kind of guy do you put on them? Like he's going to shoot over. You put a smaller guy who's quick enough to stay in front of him. You put a big guy on him. He's going to go around it. Like that's, that's the quandary. And you got to figure out how to, how to apply your resources. Right. Cause if you got most teams, you have two good defenders, right? Mm-hmm, Maybe yeah. three. Who who's the third defender guarding? And that becomes the question because that third defender might end up on Kevin Durant and you have a problem. This is a problem Cleveland had somebody. You got to take away. Yeah. You got to take away Steph. So now you got Shumpert on Kevin Durant. Oh my God. And it just wasn't working. Right. Now it's like, all right, LeBron, you guard Kevin Durant. Okay. Now Steph's getting the triple double. So it's like, you kind of, who has the resources? I think one of the teams that hasn't, was San Antonio. They had Kawhi Leonard, and then I really thought Jonathan Simmons was good. Yep. Like, he, he was a guy, you could put him on Steph, make make him make Steph work, and that frees up Kawhi, and then they got rid of him. I didn't get that at all. I forget <laughs> like, why. I, I knew some Spurs writers, and I, th- I think I forget what it was. Maybe it was the money, but I doubt it. It was just the money. But It was weird. Yeah. That was weird to me. Um, the next question is, because we saw this this offseason, um, Durant take a little less than the max and then open up the money for Iguodala, Livingston, and uh, I guess some of the other guys. I guess they maybe took some exception, like uh, like mid-levels or whatever. Maybe, you know, veterans minimum probably. Um, but what is this culture that they created in San Francisco there that causes this to happen? Or is it just the fact that you're the best team and we want to win? I think I think this is probably going to be Steph Curry's greatest legacy is that for four years he was underpaid and every year it became more drastically underpaid. 2012-13 when he's making $10 million, he was clearly worth more than that as he led him to the playoffs. And then after that first round series against Denver, and nearly, you know, and scaring the crap out of San Antonio. Like, you knew, you knew you had a star, and he was only making $10 million. And every year, it just became more and more like, yo, this dude is only making 11 He's only making 12 right? Like, yeah. it's crazy. And, it, and it's like, he's, he at the time, I mean, $11 million was kind of a lot five, four or five years ago. It's not anymore, but even yes. at the time, he was worth like 15 16 17 and now he's worth like. 30 and then with the boom, yeah, with the boom, and he and he he was the fifth highest paid player when they won a championship, or fourth or fifth highest paid player when on they the won a championship on the team, yeah. yeah so, but but he did that, and I think the real critical part was he never made it a thing. Mm-hmm. It it became, it became like the standard for how you handle being underplay underpaid in the locker room. Yeah. And out of all of that, it, it's, it, it became really hard for anybody else to complain about money when Steph and when they're making more than Steph and they know they're not more valuable than him. Yeah. So now that's how you get not, – not only does his low salary allow you to pay Draymond and Clay, but it also makes it cool to take less money, right? It also makes it, yeah, I'm taking a sac- I'm making a sacrifice just like Steph did. So now by the time Kevin Durant gets here, everybody on the team, especially in their mind, had taken some kind of L financially, whether it was Bogut, 
who took the descending contracts and mm-hmm. didn't test the market, and he was of the mind he could have got 15. I think DeAndre Jordan got a big deal. He was like, I could have got close to that, but I'm going to stay here. Andre Godala turned down more money from the Kings to take a smaller deal with the Warrior. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you just go down the list. Clay thought he was signing for the max, <laughs> but he signed for the presumed max and ended up being lower than the max. Yeah, right? they changed the cap figure after the yes. moratorium. Yeah, right, after the moratorium. He's like, yeah, he didn't sign for the slot for a percentage. He just signed for the number that everybody expected to be the percentage, yep. which turned out to be less than the max. Because he's not uh, the designated player, right? He's absolutely, right? Yeah. Draymond, you know, took what he thought was less. He figured he could have went out and got you know, a big deal and took less. I mean, if you just go down the line, everybody was like, yeah, I'm, 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 I got skin in the game. And here comes Durant, who's got the chance to make 35 and takes the, the non bird raise of 20%, 31, and then goes below that. So he's just basically became one of the guys. And he's a 25 right now. Yeah. Then he took, he took even less than that. He took 25. And it all started with not only Steph, like, being underpaid, but it being cool, like, it being not an issue. And it prevented anybody, like, you can't complain when the star player, the guy who's carrying the whole thing, is, like, drastically underpaid and he's still leading the team and, you know, Steph chipper and happy and having fun. It just it just makes it really hard for anybody else to now complain, mm-hmm. and I think Durant bought like saw that culture and kind of and bought into that. It's like yeah, I see how it is. It, it is about winning, and at the end of the day, everybody's taking less money. And here's here's another way it impacted all the players in their mind, especially were taking less money. The owner can't turn around and then not take the L. They put the pressure on him to spend the money. Yep, <laughs> he couldn't say, "Hey, I'm about to pay the largest tax ever." It's He's like, like, "Yeah, right." They just basically like deboed tax oh, too in like two years. If they're trying to make it a dynasty, that repeater tax is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, it's just. I mean, just like physically look at the numbers. There's no way to keep all four of these guys. I, I mean, have it right here in front of me. This year, it's 137 million inclusive total. I think 135 million next year, and then they have to keep resigning these people. Um, we have a couple more, couple more topics. I, one quick last thing about just the Warriors ex- by itself. What do you think about Steph and him working on his core? Because he, he did not used to be a great in layup, like interior uh, scorer, and now he's able to do some ridiculous things. He's not on Kyrie level of finishing, but he's pretty good. He really put in the work. It's the It was the ankle, right? All that stemmed from his ankle injuries. I think one of the things, Steph, one of the best things that came out of his debilitating and repeated ankle injuries was that he really like became in tune with his body and became like uh, a master of his body. And really like, you know, the old song, the hip bones connected to the thigh bone and thigh bone. Right. So he basically had to learn his whole body to figure out his ankle situation <laughs> yeah. because there, there was really no answers. I mean, he had the surgery and it didn't work. And then he had basically the same surgery again and was hoping it would work. But he built up his body into this machine to to take away the, you know, to, to basically compensate for his ankle. Out of that, like, you know, you know, he does this work with Accelerate Basketball, uh, 
this uh the, the special trainer who's in North Carolina or South Carolina and, and he's he's basically shown Steph and worked with Steph on how to almost like it's weird like it's this advanced kind of weird training where sensory deprivation and all that mm. stuff right and hip flex and how to work his hips and how to like transfer energy from this part to the next so Steph has become like this jujitsu type <laughs> basketball player who you know and all of that is because he he's just become a master of his body he's one of those dudes who wake up and say man I'm at about 193 today <laughs> like he could just he literally can feel it and when they guess he's always within two pounds of wow. how much he weighs because he became like all right i gotta figure this out because it was his career on the line so now he can do it and his his core is like incredibly strong he can deadlift like 450 pounds That's crazy. like yeah he's <laughs> it's the trainers when they talk about steph they're like drooling you know Wow. It's it's weird. It's it, you, to hear them talk about him. You'd be like, you know, that little dude. <laughs> but you see him this year, man. Steph is yoked. Yeah, I mean, not, like he, not I think Iguodala, he might be like one ninety five now. He's not Iguodala though. Iguodala's looked nah, good for Iguodala, twenty years. Yeah. Iguodala was like carved from you know a marble slab somewhere. <laughs> um, the question about, I mean, obviously OKC and Houston have gotten some pretty interesting. Um, they gotten pretty interesting. But do you think uh, OKC Houston uh, San Antonio, Boston, or or uh, or Cleveland can touch them this year. I think they're, I think they're all in position that if the Warriors suffer an injury, they're right there to take them down. Yeah, I think I think they've got themselves to that point. I think outside of Cleveland, the rest of them were like they would have to lose two players, oh. but you know. Houston, I think, I think Houston, I, I like just the idea of Chris Paul and James Harden together. Two dudes who have been the focal playmaker. So you know they know how to make other players better, both of them. Mm -hmm. They know how to get other players involved. For me, that's much more appealing than Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. It was three players who are not known for making other players better, right? yeah. <laughs> who are known for, like, I got to get by, right? And so Paul George I, is something else. I think Paul George is, like, exceptional and if, not as if much his, of that as if, the other two. If, yeah, absolutely. But if his mind is right, I just remember him complaining about not taking the game when a shot. Yep. And and he's, like, 0 for 13 on game when a shot, right? Although <laughs> like, Dude, the team that he has there game. is different than the team he has here, for sure. Absolutely. If he's fine with Russell Westbrook taking the game with a shot, then we're good because he's just gonna play great defense. He's gonna he's gonna make plays. He's gonna hit open shots much at a higher rate than Victor Oladipo did. I think you know I I think <laughs> all those right. I think all I think Oklahoma City. I think Boston. Even though they 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 gave up a couple of the players who really give the worst problems. Like, it's certain players who give the worst problems. Crowder and Bradley. <laughs> yes. Two of the guys that give the worst problems, they gave them up. But now Cleveland has them. I think that's that's huge for Cleveland. Because like we talked about before, LeBron, like whoever LeBron wasn't guarding was the player that was getting off. Now, I think they can feel pretty comfortable with who Crowder guards and with who LeBron guards, right, which puts the onus on Clay 
who, you know, hasn't been lights out in the finals. <laughs> also, I also kind of think that Crowder can do what you were saying Kawhi could do on Draymond. Yes, absolutely. He, he's fast enough to stay with Steph, but he's also way stronger than most people who guard Dre. And so, yeah. and he'll make Draymond. Ha- he'll stay in front of Draymond to where Draymond has to shoot over him. He's not he going to blow by Dre Crowder. He can also score on Draymond that will make him defend. Yeah, they they won't put Draymond on. They'll probably work some switch because they want Draymond yeah. there to paint. Yeah, that's <laughs> they, they want, they want him rebounding. roaming. That's right. They want him roaming. Yeah, they want him roaming. So I, I think those Spurs? teams are all set up. Spurs, I, I, you just got to say the Spurs just because they're Spurs. I just don't like their moves. I, I don't true. like them giving up Simmons, right? Uh, they've lost. Gasol? I, didn't, I don't get that. If the Warriors are the target, Gasol and – Alders together, they were just a problem. It's weak. Like, it's weak offensive. I mean, I mean, it's good offensively for shooting, but like on the boards, I mean, they're tall, but you're not you're not getting like they're just not, power yeah, they're not those guys. And Alders, can't. You know, Draymond can guard him one on one, and you'll live with it. And he might get one thirty game, but most of the time he's going to settle for eleven footer because when you push him out, he doesn't. You know, yep, if he's not yep. getting that call, he dips his shoulder, try to get the call. If he don't get it, he's going to take the 12-footer. And if he's not on, he's not on. Like, that's yep. just the way it is. I don't I don't love their team, but you just have to say the Spurs because of who they are. And, and they Kawhi's just figure, and they figure out a way. Kawhi, and Kawhi is exceptional. I, I wish he had some help. <laughs> like, nice. I wish he had another player. It'd be nice. Then you, then you got a real series, but I, – I'd have to put them behind, but of course, once you say the Spurs are going to be the four seed, that means they're going to win 65 games just because <laughs> this is what they do every year, right? Every year we're like, all right, this is the year. So how like, many how many games do you think the Warriors win? Was it is it 74? Is it is it 67? Nah, I think they're going to chill. I think they're going to be at like 65, 66. They're going to they're going to rest guys. They'll they're lose gonna, you two know. games through the end of February, and then they'll rest for the whole rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, months. then they'll be like, all right, let's chill. You know, I think you might see the stagger stuff, and it's not even just like they'll sit guys out, but like especially you know with their rotations, Steph will come back six minutes in third quarter, or six minutes second quarter, six minutes fourth quarter, and we saw in the playoffs. Yeah. Especially in the finals, that was more like eight minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, now it might many, be like five. In the seventy-three win season, how many like fourth quarters did you miss? It was like a quarter or a third 20, of the season. Twenty set out twenty fourth quarters. That is ridiculous. <laughs> twenty four. I think you'll see a lot of that, and I think you'll see more of it for Durant too. Even though, like, Durant is a guy like. I know it was his first year, so they were kind of like, all right, Durant, we're going to make sure you're happy. Yeah. And he still was only on a one-year deal. But, you know, Kerr couldn't keep him out of the game. I think I think now he'll be like, all right, you saw how it felt. This is year two for you here. This is year four for us trying to get to June. Like, let's sit, let's sit, out, let's sit out a little bit longer. Don't, don't come back in at 10. Come back in at 8. I think it'll be a lot of that type of stuff. Let's see what Jordan Bell can do. Let them play. Let Patrick McCall play longer. And if if we're losing, if we're giving up the lead, that's fine. I think you'll see a lot of that. Not to mention, look, the middle of the pack is better, right? Yeah. Minnesota is better. Like that's that's just what it is. Denver, I mean, the word Denver, Denver is better. Yeah, I, you know, Oklahoma City is is better. Houston is like there's that collection of teams. That's right there, and you know, hey, you could probably 
presume New Orleans will be better with uh, uh, Davis and Cousins more time so together and a healthy yeah. holiday. I don't know. I'm not banking on them getting the eight seed, but I they'll at least so hopefully put up a fight, right? <laughs> it's just like you know. It's just I heard. I just remember the last two years. You just look at the schedule and you're like, when are they going to lose? Only on right? road trips. End of yeah, long like, road trips. You're looking at this like, I mean, like it, it just took a month. They had like a month between big games. Yep. I think now there's just more game, more games where it's like, all right, they could lose this on a given night, right? You go, you got Houston, Minnesota, San Antonio, Oklahoma City. Like it's like, all right, those are you know Boston, Cleveland. Yeah. They actually have some games. Washington, there'll be, nice. be games, right? Must be nice. <laughs> Phoenix. Nah. All right, my bad. My yeah. bad. Went too far. Not a little, a little bit too far. But um, what was the other thing? Well, we'll just start with Booker, and then I, I do want to get your take on Booker. People have compared him to Clay. I think he's, I think he'll be eventually better than Clay, but who knows when that's going to happen? What do you think of him? His seventy-point performance and just his comparisons and his game. I will say this, uh, Booker needs to get out of Phoenix. (laughs) That's how good he is. That's how good he is. (laughs) Get out of Phoenix. They need to do that whole, go ahead and do the Bradley Bill Booker deal, fleece him, let Phoenix. He's good though. No, really, because the ability to shoot like that with that size, we've seen the example in play, like how that matters. And and how you can manipulate that. He's got a better handle than Clay. He's got uh like a little bit better knack at creating a shot. Like you know, Clay has developed this over the year. Clay's working on, you know, his dribbling now and his interior like moves in the paint. Like Booker has some So Booker, um I Booker has some of those kind of innate, natural scoring instincts that I don't think Clay has. Clay is just a shooter, right? Clay is a shooter. He knows how to get a shot, and he's got this array of shots, and he's developed these other elements over the years. I think Booker already has them. He has that go get me a bucket feel. Uh, I think if you put some players around him, he's going to be great. Does he defend like Clay? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, does he have, you know, some of these intangibles these players have, like we just don't think about, it's not really just skill. Like one of the things that Clay has is this uh, humility about him that allows him to grow even next to a guy like Steph who gets all of the shine. Like Clay doesn't care about that at all. He just doesn't care. Uh, I've never seen anything like it, right? He just, Clay just wants to have fun and live. He don't want to talk to the media. He don't really want all these obligations. He just kind of want to just play hoop and then go live his life. And that, that actually helps him because, you know, the better you get, the more star power you get, the more you start getting into the politics, the more you start, uh, uh, challenging your discipline and mental fortitude to kind of handle all that. So as good as Booker gets, we'll see how he handles all that because dude is really good. Like he can, he can be a monster in this league. There's some leadership in him. I'm seeing, I'm seeing some leadership stuff. He's more of a Kobe type than a clay type in that, in terms of that attitude for sure. And he has some nastiness to him and some trash talking and 
backing up. Someone someone told me that they think he could lead the league in scoring in the next year or two. Without question. Certainly, I mean, he. I think he was at 22 or 24 points a game with almost no help. Um, Bledsoe will probably play more this year before they trade him probably. And then Jackson alongside for defense is going to help a lot, although he's a rookie. Um, I think they'll get some good things. I don't I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, I, I mean, want him in Washington. Go put him with John he's Walsh. Same, but he's the same as Beal, right? Except for not as right, experienced right. and not as big. Or that's bigger. Correct. He's the same size as mine. But, or bigger. Anyway, so yeah, He's better than Beal, though. He's, yeah, he'll, he'll grow out. I think he'll be a three in the league in a couple of years. I think he's like six, seven, six, eight ish now, or will be, or still growing, because he, he turns 21 in two weeks. Yeah, that's the insane part. Like, he's so young. I, I do, I like his swag, man. I like his confidence. I like his aggressiveness. I mean, just, just to go for 70 is some Kobe type stuff. You think that was a joke, <laughs> like a joke that that game was a joke, or was it like impressive still because it's really hard to do? Man, are you sick? I watched the dude get 60, right? Like, Clay got 60, and it was like Rucker Park at Oracle. Yeah. 70? <laughs> I don't care what the situation is. You, you got lit for 70. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, 70 is 70. You know, um, 81 was a joke. If it, that was, that was that, the case, the right? Thing, that, that game was close. Yeah, right? <laughs> the 81 That's game, insane. I mean, that was, they barely squeaked away, I think. I just um, don't, yeah, no, 70 is 70. That 70 was. 70. So the last thing I have is you, you wrote a book about the, about the Warriors. You've been covering them forever. Um, some of them seem like Iguodala. Uh, Draymond's his own character. Uh, Iguodala's a little bit uh, his own little thing. What are some things about them that we may not know, some personalities, some hobbies that they like, something that we just don't know that we never see from them? So you want to you go down the list? Sure, yeah. Just give us a couple of hit, quick hitters. Okay, so Steph and Andre really, number one, they are golf addicts. Wow. Like, addicted. It's yeah, not Steph even. the program, yeah. Yeah, but like, it's not because Steph, you know, Steph is like a great golfer, right? You know, But you know, people play golf or whatever. Steph, if he's at home chilling, the golf channel is on. Like, oh he's my. that dude. Right? Andre Iguodala is reading golf magazines, and he could tell you about pro-ams and the next rising star. Like, these dudes are 1,000% addicts. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right? Straight up. Uh, uh, who else is on the team? Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant is a straight-up conversationalist. I did not really? know this about him. Like, you, you could just chat with Durant. Matter of fact, he likes it and prefers it. If you go up to Durant and interview him, like, he's going to talk to you. You know, I remember all the stuff in Oklahoma City and his beef with the media and all that. Yeah. I just, I expected that. The Kevin Durant, who we get to see, you could literally talk to Kevin Durant about everything. He Man, likes talking. If podcast, I would freak out. Right? He, he, he loves podcasts. Loves them. Right? I gotta reach out to him. You got someone's gotta reach out to him. <laughs> yeah, he loves podcasts. Like, you can, like, he's probably as normal and as human like he just likes talking. I, I can see that dude at the gas station pumping gas and just start talking to people at the gas station. <laughs> right, like, that, he's a great conversationalist. Uh, who else they got? Livingston. Oh, Livingston is as chill as they come. Uh, the great thing about Livingston is like his whole life just changed because he finally met like the love of his life, Aww. and he got married, and he had a child, and 
like he, it was, it's crazy because like what he went through with his knee injury to get, to get to this point and just to see him like he, he's found that sweet spot where his, his happiness is just at an all time high, right? Like almost like, Hey man, I paid my dues. Now I'm the old man in the club. I got the family, (laughs) right? I got the child. Like this is it for me. And you know, for the longest time, I thought he was going to leave. Like he's, yeah. you know, he's never gotten his big payday. Yep. He had his rookie deal, then he got hurt, and then it's been minimums, and and then he got the 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 mid level deal with the Warriors for three years, and he was trying to he was going to try to parlay this championship into like at least a one or two year deal somewhere for a bunch of money. Like and Redick he stayed. Deal. Yeah, like absolutely. He wanted one of those, but he is so like happy. That he's like, nah, I'll stay here for eight million, just because he's got his wife and he's got his child, and he just reached that point where it's like, all right, this is what life is all about. So to watch him kind of grow into that is pretty cool. Is Draymond as crazy in real life as he feels like he is? Hey, now, Dr- he Draymond Draymond is really he's wild, but like you won't find a better guy, and it's it's the reason people like him despite his you know <laughs> like Draymond will argue anything <laughs> literally like he will argue anything he always talks trash he's one of those dudes who was always on and like he's never chilling right he's always like what let's go pick you pick the whatever he's going at you but uh it, like at the same time like if if you had to pick any dude on that team that you knew would have your back like that's yeah. Draymond and he's that, like, people love him because of that. He's the guy who's going to, like, when you won't speak up for yourself, he'll speak up for you, right? Yeah. Like, that's, he's that guy, which is why even though, like, he might get on people's nerves and he talks trash all the time, like, they love him because that that's how he is. And, you know, the thing about Draymond is he's, like, he had to get used to this, but he's, like, a really a people dude. Like, he kind of thrives on being a regular guy, and I think his fame got so big that it was hard for him to realize he couldn't be a regular guy anymore. Oh, yeah. But he's a guy who likes to walk through Target. Oh, man. You know, you know, like I walked with him through Target before. He's like talking to everybody. Like he feels comfortable in that element when he's just around regular people. But it's like Draymond, like you're kind of a star now. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the last one, I guess, is Iguodala. People think he's really like – like we already he, talked about the – yeah. but just, He's a curmudgeon. He's a curmudgeon, yeah. Yeah, he's – Iguodala is the funniest old man, right? He just got he's Iguodala is seventy two years old in his head. And what you is know, he like thirty seven? Thirty six? Is he nah? He ain't that old. He got to be like thirty three. That's crazy, man. It's because it feel like he's been in the league forever. Because I remember yeah, no, it does the, feel like the seventy sixers as all star. Yeah, he's not even. But remember, he only played one year at Arizona. And then, and then he dipped. So he got into the league at like what, 18, 19 years Ooh, old? Man, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think he, I think he might be 30. I think he might be 33, but he's the dude who sees all the angles, right? Yeah. Like he's got this like wisdom, like an old man and he's kind of got like the mannerisms, right? Like, like his facial expressions. And... Is he the oldest guy in the Warriors? <laughs> Uh, Dave, it's got to be like David West. Yeah, he, so oh, he's thirty three. Yeah, he's thirty three. I yeah, think David right West now. is thirty seven. Yeah, it's, yeah, David West. Yeah. 
Yeah, David West is the oldest dude on the team. David West with his, his I'm going to leave Indiana, go to the Spurs, for, and put $12 million on the table, and then I'm going to take one-year deals until I get a ring. And he got it. And then he, he came it. back for another one. David West is a straight-up history professor. Wow. Oh, my Lord. You talk to David West, and you're going to learn something. What kind of He's the type of like U.S. history, oh, like no, totally like U.S. history, African American history, like politics. Wow. You talk, you talk to David West. It's almost a guarantee you're gonna come away with a book recommendation. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be like, oh man, you should read this book about. I'm like, man, what don't you know about, right? Okay, <laughs> he is like, he is a professor. He's a history professor. You know who is too on the low? Andre. Andre reads a lot. Uh, and he's a guy who likes to, he really likes to play quiet and behind the scenes, right? Like he's found that niche, but like Andre, he's got a little professorialness to him too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, why don't, I really appreciate you coming on here, Marcus. Um, why don't you plug your book and your athletic stuff and then uh, we'll get out of here. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to plug books. Can you help me? Like, how do I plug a book? No, I'm joking. Everybody knows I plug books, right? Oh, okay. oh so, that's right. You, uh, <laughs> you put it on a press conference. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you should already have Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry. <laughs> but if you don't, like, it's out on paperback, so it's even cheaper. Uh, and I'm now with the Athletic Bay Area, which is athletic.com slash Bay Area. We are, in essence, trying to change the game by uh, proving that people will pay for good content. Subscription and, model, yeah, right? Yep, subscription model. No ads, no pop-ups, no clickbait. Just, you know, the best the best journalist we, journalism we can provide based on quality premium content. And, you know, we're trying to get people to uh, – to invest in it. So far they are. It's doing, it's doing really well, way better than our wildest expectations. So uh, hopefully we're changing the game. Wonderful. Why don't you just give us our Twitter handle and we'll get out of here. At Thompson Scribe. T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-C-R-I-B-E. Thompson Scribe. Wonderful. Um, I definitely check out, get his book, check him out on Twitter, check out The Athletic, get a subscription. I'm going to do those things in a little bit here. Um, my Twitter handle is at Eric underscore Sar, S-A-A-R. Um, podcast. We'll have a bunch of new episodes as we uh, turn up the season here. As always, this is podcast is sponsored by my other business, Elite Hoops Development, a training company for here in Arizona that trains players in Impact Certified, um, Impact Basketball that trains all the NBA players. Um, thank you again, Marcus, and have a great day. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem.